You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. I think I owe an apology to the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation, possibly, because uh, over this past week, between the last episode and then today's episode, uh, we have a new home in the URL domain world. we do, we do. So we have moved from sexymarriage.net to smrnation.com. Yeah. And that's created some technical glitches and some issues with feeds and Mainly the reason I owe an apology to the nation is whenever we make a move like that with the feed, it typically will double up in everybody's readers or podcast apps. Mm-hmm. Or, so all of a sudden now they're, they're inundated with past content. And so my sincere apologies to the Sexy yeah. Marriage Radio Nation for well, that. Well, maybe you just need a reminder to get caught up on some listening. That, that is an opportunity to yeah. do that with Sexy Marriage Radio. We had a valid reason for it. We had a lot of people with the with the name Sexy in the in the uh, address. A lot of people, things were going to spam, right. not getting caught. They weren't getting emails and such. Yeah. So we thought it'd be smarter to um, just change that address. Right. And so welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. At our new home on the URL world, if you listen to us via the feed and iTunes and all, nothing's changed for you. It should all still show up just like it does. Yeah. Um, sexymarriageradio.com. You know, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com still exists. Mm-hmm. That's how you can let us know. You can also call us 214-702-9565. And we want to hear your questions and your comments and your thoughts because that helps us make the show absolutely fabulous as it can be. Thanks to Buffy for supporting Sexy Marriage Radio. For $20 off your Buffy comforter, visit Buffy.co and enter promo code SMR. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, uh, your questions and our answers. And on this episode, one of the answers, uh, I'm being joined by Dr. Ian Kerner. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Who wrote the book, uh, She Comes First, as well as some others, but that's the main Area that he what a became great title. known. Yes, it's a great book too. Um, or he's he's joining to help me answer a question from mm-hmm. one of the listeners. Okay, and then coming up on the extended version, which is twice as long and deeper conversation. Plus, there's no ads. Um, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. You can listen to a, a a more lengthy conversation Dr. Kerner and I have based on his book with the She Comes First mm, and just the good. state of marriage and or the state of sex in marriage mm-hmm. and some of the different things that have impacted us in the world that we see and some of the hurdles and the ways to overcome them. It was a great, it was a great dialogue that I got to have with him. So all that's coming up on today's show. I recently discovered Sexy Marriage Radio from the podcast Only You Forever, and I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm getting a lot out of it. Uh, I know you've done many episodes in the past, and so you've probably addressed this or something similar to this uh, several times. I have not gone back and listened to all of the 400 plus episodes, but I have one specific question. I've been married over 20 years, and we have a very strong, wonderful marriage But I now realize that uh, I've allowed my wife to become convinced that she is not attractive to me or to anybody else. 
And I feel very bad about that. And uh, we do have a sex life, but it's not as good as it could be or I believe should be. And I think it's also very unfair to her because I'm extremely attracted to her and I try to convince her that. But in her heart of hearts, she just doesn't believe it. So maybe you could give me some ideas of ways that I could uh, prove to her that she is an attractive woman and will be for years to come. Thanks for all you do. So the first question I have based on this call, and thank you for the, the call and the question, is how do you allow your wife to believe she's not attractive? I'm curious what his role and how he sees it, that his, what's his culpability in this journey? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I heard that too and wrote that down that, um, we, you know, there's a, there's only so much as a spouse you can do to, uh, on that end of things, we as individuals are responsible for our own perceptions of ourselves. Right. And so I see he's, he's loving her and he's trying to figure out yeah. hopefully what his part was in yeah. the journey and how he can assist. Yeah. And it, So it, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that, right. but there is a piece of, it, it's not him yeah, it's, allowing it's not her to do that. A, yeah, it's not that a She's spouse, got some other baggage yeah, there. It's not that a spouse isn't complicit in some of the things that can go on. Yeah. But that's an interesting phraseology to think of. Have, I've allowed this. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what you're dealing with is it's perception of self versus perception other people have of said self. Yeah. And those a lot of times don't align because we've had a relationship with ourselves for much longer than we have with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about attractiveness or confidence or any of these kinds of things, this really, to me, lands in this world of sometimes we get these things that are deep-seated when we were young. There was some sort of a message, some sort of an event, some sort of a something where the takeaway was, I just must not be that attractive. Mm. And that gets embedded so deep in the psyche that it is hard to rewire that sucker. I'm guessing it's fairly common for you to have people come into your office, though, where one spouse is like that. They've got a low self-image about how they look or whatever, but the spouse is totally oh yeah, the, the spouse attracted is anything yeah, it's total contrary of how they see themselves. The spouse is like, I dig every part of you. Mm-hmm. I am totally into you, and you are the sexiest thing to ever walk the face of the planet, and. But it's, it, it falls on deaf ears because it doesn't align with the way they view themselves. So what are some solutions that well, you provide? So for his question, mm-hmm. because he's the one asking, if she's calling in with this question, it's a different route we can go. Okay. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I'm going to go with him. Yeah. <laughs> if, you've got, if you want to hear the other side and you're like, wait, I want to learn 214-702-9565. Call and leave us the message and we'll address that. But I want to answer his question on how do I help my wife understand how sexy I believe she is. Mm -hmm. And this is where uh, we keep landing on this, where he he even made the comment of how do I prove this to her? Mm -hmm. And to me, proof means show that I, what I say a lot of times when I'm, when a, when a person is facing this, you know, I have to do this with you in certain arenas of life. You have to do this with me in certain arenas of life where I don't view myself as all of X. 
mm-hmm. but you do. And so you can come at me with a rational logic of, yeah, but let me convince you and I'll give you all the data. Mm-hmm. But it's a rational logic trying to combat an emotional thing. So you've got some emotional piece in your head where you're not going to listen to my logic. That data doesn't line up yeah. on a rational level. And so I could say, oh, I could see how you see that, but it still doesn't hit on a deeper level. Yeah. But the way as the spouse walking alongside trying to show this better to the spouse that you think is attractive is you, you have to, have to, have to make sure your words align with your actions. True. And this gets into the nuances. This gets into the subtleties. Okay. To where she comes in and you're talking about something and then all of a sudden you turn away at the most inopportune time and that sends a signal that, you know, it, so it's just making sure that if you are into her, live into her. Hmm. Right? Show that. And it's not, and, and this is where you start to move into the world of, of less strings to no strings attached to where I know I'm trying to convince you of something that you don't believe. So that means I'm going to face rejection more squarely in this because we're not going to align. So in essence, it's a rejection. Okay. But I have to live it as, no, no, no. I, this is my belief. You can't convince me of my belief just like I'm trying to convince you of what yours should be. Right. So it's sure. it's going on on the same levels. But it's to me, this is always about the actions of how am I demonstrating how into her and attractive and in love I am with her. And some examples of those are going to be. Um, well, a lot of it is just based on how do you react to her? What are the statements and moves you have towards her? How are you showing your love to her? You're into I mean, because you there's a vibe, right? I mean, we've talked about this in the past that when you have a sexual vibe between you, where does that come from in your body? I don't know, right? <laughs> it's just you just kind of get it. You just get between this, my ears. You get the sense of his energy between you, mm-hmm. but we're not really sure where it originates from. Science hasn't figured that out yet. But you're looking at it as how do I conduct myself so that there's this vibe between us? How am I playing my side of this equation to where you? put the pressure internally in her to go, well, if he sees me this way continually in all these circumstances, maybe I need to really challenge my own view right. of me. Maybe he's not as wrong mm-hmm. as, I always, as I've always wanted him to believe, wanted to believe. And so it really comes down to just how, my pursuit, my affection, my connection, my initiation of, of these things. It's not just even sexual. Of mm-hmm. just being into you, that you can kind of tell when a person is or isn't, and that's about me making sure I'm demonstrating when I'm around you, I'm into you. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Buffy for sponsoring this episode. What is Buffy? Buffy makes bedding that is super comfy and super sustainable. Plus, their products are made using only renewable and recycled materials, which makes them as soft on the planet as they are in your bed. Our Buffy comforter keeps us at the perfect temperature so we feel cozy without overheating. Their comforter is so cozy, in fact, that we're currently fighting with one of our kids over who gets the comforter each night. This is one of the softest comforters that I've ever slept under. The Buffy cloud comforter is covered in ultra-breathable eucalyptus fabric and is softer than cotton and naturally soothes skin. 
To me, the coolest thing about the Buffy Cloud Comforter is the inside of each comforter is made from 100% recycled water bottles that are transformed and given a second life as a super fluffy fiber. After only one year, Buffy has recycled and reused over 6 million water bottles. Try out Buffy Cloud Comforter, and if after 30 nights you don't love it, return it for free. For $20 off your Buffy Comforter, visit Buffy.co and enter promo code SMR. That's Buffy.co, promo code SMR for $20 off. Hello. First of all, I wanted to tell you thanks for the show. Uh, I found you about a year ago, and I very much appreciate the sex within marriage content um, from a Christian perspective. Um, there's not a lot of that out there um, in today's culture. Um, so thank you. Um, second of all, um, my question for you is around premature ejaculation. Um, there's been mention of it on the show a couple times within the last year or so that I've been listening, but I was hoping you might um, take a deeper dive into it, put some definition around it, um, maybe provide some information on how long should a guy last during intercourse, and then finally, what are some ways to correct it if it is a problem? Um, thanks again for providing such a great resource. I really appreciate it. So joining me for this segment and then the extended content for Sex and Marriage Radio this week is uh, Dr. Ian Kerner that... I found you, Ian, first from uh, your book, She Comes First, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic read. But uh, the more I did a deep dive of you and, and kind of came a, became a fan of what you do and how you, what you speak on and the work that you have, um, is, is you have, are one of the ones that's, I don't know, how, how do you say it? You're, you're one of the few guys that will openly talk about, you know what, I've had a premature ejaculation problem, and what I've done is help people with it too. So that's, that's one of the things the sexy marriage radio nation will get emails about on, Hey, I, we want, we want married life to be fantastic. And there's lots of things that can happen that can get in the way of sex, particularly a man's performance. And so I'm curious of your work in that arena and what you do with the clients that come to see you with that. Um, sure. And so we're going to talk specifically about premature or early ejaculation. Is that right? Absolutely. That we want to focus in on. Right. And that's something that um, I definitely know about intimately having um, dealt with in uh, my own life. And it was the genesis for me writing my book, She Comes First, which has remained my best selling book. And I'm, I'm somebody that uh, my whole life I've suffered to one degree or another from uh, early ejaculation. And um, certainly in my early experiences of it, I didn't really know uh, what was happening or uh, why. Um, I just know that I felt um, sort of embarrassed and humiliated and shameful. And uh, sure, kind of as a young guy grappling with it, kind of um, uh, turned away from intimacy and sex. And that led to kind of a cycle of uh, shame and, uh, and, um, depression and and whatnot. And um, I wrote about that quite honestly in my book, She Comes First. And I think it's one of the reasons that the book continues to remain, um, you know, a popular selling book 15 years later is because I was open with that message. And so uh, first thing I want to say is um, it's uh, probably the most common sexual problem that men of all ages um, deal with more than erectile impairment and erectile disorder, more Mm -hmm. than um, delayed ejaculation. Um, I think that there's a lot of myths around premature ejaculation that a guy who suffers from it is, uh, inexperienced or, uh, 
immature or has uh, wired himself that way through masturbation or um, something like that and trying to sort of uh, come as quickly as possible when he's uh, masturbating. And, you know, those are all really um, myths. Uh, what we know about premature ejaculation is that um, unlike, say, erectile disorder, which in young men can often be of a psychological nature um, and really related to performance anxiety, that um, premature ejaculation tends to be um, more to do with neurochemistry and somebody's particular uh, temperament, um, maybe genetic and be inheritable. And, uh, you know, in a certain sense, if you think about it, could even be a sign of health. I mean, if you if we are looking at things um, through an evolutionary perspective or just saying that um, we are designed, however you want to approach design, to be healthy and effective and efficient, um, ejaculating quickly is really a sign of health. In fact, in, in, okay. in most places, in most arenas of life, if we take too long to do something, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're too slowed down yeah. or we can't get ourselves moving. You know, it's often a sign of not being healthy or being <laughs> sick. So that's a nice I really, reframe. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, so I really do see it as a sign of, um, you know, health. And again, regardless of, um, how we became wired this way. If you think about like early primitive man and his main mission being to sort of stay alive and propagate uh, his, his genes, you know, yep. um, being able to uh, not, not ejaculate quickly could really be a, a deficit, right? Yes. You could get yep. clubbed over the head by some other primitive yep. caveman. Yeah. Uh, eaten by some wild beast or <laughs> you're something. taking too long you can't hurry it up <laughs> we got survival so, at stake so um you know it's really only um unhealthy when you think about wanting to have non-procreative relational recreational right fun anxiety free mutually orgasmic pleasurable sex right um so that was a long way of not answering your question, Corey, which is how do I work with men who well, the, suffer from this issue? Uh, yes. Well, let's get there. But the one interesting thing that comes up from that answer, just the one thing that jumps out to me is I can already imagine you made a comment about the hereditary or genetic. Like, hey, that's an interesting conversation with father. Like, hey, dad, uh -huh. I'm curious. This is something I've got going on. Did you? You know, just kind of a, what do you do that over a cup of coffee or a beer or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oddly enough, I've, I've never had that conversation with my own dad, um, but I have had that conversation. I'm old enough to be many, the dad to many of my patients and uh, okay. uh, heterosexual men, gay men all suffer from this issue. And, uh, you know, I've had, I, I, I do try and bring that, that parental feeling into sure. my patient work. Sure. Um, uh, with them. And I can tell you that, um, you know, as I'm sure you know, from your own work, when you can open up with somebody authentically about sex and your fears and anxieties, and am I normal or what's wrong with me and feel that you're going to be mirrored back with somebody who's affirmative and, and sex positive, it's it's a very liberating conversation. And, Absolutely um, it is. And even just having this conversation, my feeling is the, the sex marriage nation is going to go. Some of them are be like, finally, let's, let's, let's. So what do we do? What, what's, what's some helpful things that, that they can take okay. away and use? Okay. 
So let's just say that you're a guy who suffers from um, early ejaculation. More than likely, you fall into the category of guy for whom this has sort of been chronic over his lifetime, meaning it's not situational or psychological. In some cases with men, when they are on a first date with somebody uh, or a third date, whenever they're going to be sexual with somebody, they may have some of that anxiety around sort of the first sexual experiences and anxiety can play a role in... um, Uh, early ejaculation. Generally, that kind of anxiety, in my experience, um, presents more in the form of erectile impairment. Okay. Um, So all all this is a long way of saying that um, for many men with early ejaculation, it's sort of always been this way. It's not related to anything they did per se. Right. There have been many studies between guys who suffer from early ejaculation and guys who don't. And there have been uh, explorations into, well, how did they masturbate? What kind of home environments do they, did they grow up in? What is their health like? And there's no difference. Okay. Okay. So, okay. um, so if you're a guy who suffers from early ejaculation, you've probably suffered from that chronically. Um, and, um, what are we going to do about that? Whether you were, um, you know, dating, um, and, seeking out new sexual partners or with somebody you really like and, and, and you're planning to stay with. Um, so first off, that's where my book, She Comes First, kind of uh, originated from. You know, one thing that's worth knowing is that um, really all of the nerve endings that contribute to female sexual pleasure and to orgasm are located on the surface of the vulva and not inside the vagina. Right. And they respond to stimulation of the vulva, um, consistent stimulation of the vulva. So one thing that I want to say is even if you could last and maintain an erection without ejaculating as long as you would like, whether that's one minute or an hour, right. um, that does not mean that a woman is going to have uh, a pleasurable experience. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not the marker of, no, of how no. great it is. I got you. So, so one thing that I did in my own life, and I encourage men to do, is um, to shift from an intercourse-based model of thinking about sexuality to an outer course-based model of sexuality. So right. what is intercourse? Intercourse is penis in vagina Correct. penetration. And so outer course is manual stimulation, uh, oral stimulation, um, basically liberating yourself from uh, a penis that doesn't operate the way you would like it to. But maybe your mouth does. Maybe your hands do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're able, your imagination does. You know, I, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for creating psychological excitement and seduction. So sure. shifting away from intercourse to all different types of um, outer course based stimulation and uh, creating a sex script in which um, I think in which you as a, a guy who suffers from this issue uh, that you ensure that your uh, partner experiences uh, pleasure in advance of you um, consistently. And um, that's been one big shift uh, that I've been able to make for myself and that I really encourage my patients to think about, like, what are the parts of sex that you like and what are the parts of sex uh, that you enjoy? And so many of the guys I work with who suffer from early ejaculation, they love giving pleasure to their partners. That's the thing that they haven't been able to do. That's the thing that turns them on, you know? So being able to do that with hands and with mouth and to take your time and to simmer and 
percolate and to really understand the principles of clitoral stimulation um, and generating arousal, I think is um, one very serious leg of the stool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and to have confidence doing that, you know, to not just um, to, to have confidence that this is a equally as powerful, if not more powerful approach to sex than a purely intercourse-based model through which she may not be satisfied anyway. Right. Because most intercourse positions do not consistently stimulate uh, the clitoris in the way that leads to pleasure uh, and orgasm for women. So that would be one step. And with that comes communicating that to a partner. Exactly. Helping a partner to support you in that. The worst thing for a guy who suffers from early ejaculation would be a partner who's just purely intercourse focused, who says, oh, all this oral sex or manual stimulation or playing around with a sex toy, let's get to the real thing, right. you know? <laughs> let's get to the main event. What are we doing? That's going to be, uh, you know, an issue. Yep. Um, so um, all guys who suffer from uh early ejaculation have what would be called an intravaginal ejaculatory latency period or time, so an IELT, and that's actually the amount of time that they can sustain um, intercourse generally. Right. And so the clinical definition for most guys who suffer from early ejaculation would be 60 seconds or less. Okay. For, for many men, it can be 30 seconds or even 10 seconds. So one thing I would encourage as well is like figuring out sort of what is your IELT, because that might be a really nice if you know that, then perhaps you could say, okay, like my partner is within the 60 second window now or the 30 second window now. So we could possibly transition into intercourse into a position that provides direct clitoral stimulation okay. like a woman on top. Mm -hmm. And we might be able to actually have a simultaneous orgasm or a virtually simultaneous orgasm uh, via intercourse. So being able to also know that window and how that window fits into your partner's arousal. Right. Okay. So what else can you do? I highly recommend um, combination therapy, which means doing more than one thing at once to solve a problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in combination with outer course, I might also suggest um, guys with early ejaculation use a lidocaine-based spray like Promescent, okay. which is my favorite product on the market. Uh, that's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T. I do not have any kind of financial relationship with that company. I'm just a fan of the product. I okay. used it myself. And what it is, is, is a lidocaine spray um, that you kind of spray on the underside of the head of the penis and you rub in and it um, starts to desensitize some of the, the nerve fibers. And so basically... Um, you are experiencing, I don't want to say you're experiencing less pleasure. You're just experiencing less sensitivity. Right. Just desensitize um, it. Just like you said. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing about a product like Promescent as opposed to something that you just might, um, you know, come across at like the 7-Eleven or something, you know, at the counter. Right. Um, is that it was designed by um, a urologist who was very aware of this issue. And he designed it in a way that um, the formulation absorbs into the membrane of the penis, which means that your partner won't get numb herself. 
And so this <laughs> that would is, be the unintended consequence that, that yes. you wouldn't want to have happen. I got you. Yes. And so I definitely would recommend uh, a product, whether it's promescent or a product like promescent and, you know, experimenting a little during masturbation with it, you know, see how it feels on your penis and see how um, you're able to um, extend your uh, uh, ejaculatory latency time. So right. I definitely recommend that's an easy, an easy solution. Okay. Um, uh, what else? So we know that, um, uh, certain medications can have the side effect of delay in ejaculation, specifically uh, SSRIs that are used to uh, deal with uh, anxiety and certain types of depression. So SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to the thing that we were discussing before about sort of like maybe being genetic, genetic or right. neurochemical right. that, you know, some men... Um, their brains may be tilted a little more towards um, producing dopamine, which is a neurochemical that uh, neurotransmitter that really plays a role in um, feeling excited and aroused. And so it's possible that men with early ejaculation are sort of experiencing too much dopamine transmission, which is really raising their excitement. Right. So um, serotonin, um, naturally helps to um, inhibit dopamine. And so an SSRI helps to increase um, serotonin levels. Right. Um, and by increasing serotonin levels, you are reducing dopamine levels. Um, and one of the side effects of that um, would be delaying ejaculation. Now, I work with a lot of men who are on SSRIs who do not suffer from early ejaculation, and they do not like this side effect. It's a big problem, right. and they're often unable to reach uh, ejaculation. But I have found for men that suffer from early ejaculation that a low dose of an SSRI um, uh, will not make ejaculation impossible but will delay it. Okay. Um, and so can definitely increase a guy's um, IELT. Uh, unfortunately, um, there isn't really um, an on-demand pill that you can just take like a few minutes before sex right. or, or an hour before sex the way you can with Viagra. So generally with like a low dose of an SSRI, it's something that you're doing on an everyday basis, even if you're not having sex every day. Right. But I do encourage men to experiment with trying it on demand because every guy is different. And sure. for some guys, you know, taking it on a Friday and Saturday he may really help with that Saturday night right. sex or that right. Saturday morning sex. Um, so what's so interesting to what's interesting to me yeah. Ian, is is just if you were to. If, if I was to sum up, because there's a lot of different options is what you're describing. And I like that, that path that the, there's multiple solutions. So let's, let's not just go lockstep on one. If, if one's not good, let's try this. And let's, you know, I think that's the way we should approach life. But the undercurrent of all of this, tell me if I'm off base from what you're describing is one of the first steps is really just having a conversation with your spouse about what quantifies as good sex. You know, what, what does this mean? Do I have yeah. to last longer for it to mean good sex for you and for me? And maybe if I go to more of the whole realm where we've been trying to go with sexy marriage radio lately, and you're in the same vein of sex is more than just intercourse. Sex is the mm -hmm. whole kit and caboodle, if you will. So how do, how do we redefine 
what we're bringing into this to help determine what do I need to do within it? What are my main shortcomings? What are the struggles I've got? Or can I navigate this better just by having a better reframe of what we're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think I think that's all important. And I think the communication um, is at the essence. And I think we're very, um, especially if we suffer from something like, especially men, if we suffer from something like early ejaculation or erectile impairment, I think uh, we try and avoid those conversations. Right. We try and point to something else that could be going on. I don't know what's going on. This never happened. And all <laughs> right. that really does is so a lot of um, doubt and misattunement. So in general, um, I have found that um, men who could be loving and supportive and honest about their own vulnerabilities generally reap the rewards of that. And, you know, if you're with a partner now, it, it may it may be a challenge to your partner for her to reformulate how she's going to think about sex. Yep. She may hear something that's a short-term solution as being a forever solution and may not like that. So it's also important to recognize that if you're bringing your own vulnerability around sexuality, she may actually respond in a way that may sound a little confused or defensive. She may not be able to meet vulnerability with vulnerability. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's tough because you want to be able to reveal your own vulnerability, but also be able to create a holding environment for her vulnerability and, and to understand that she may respond um, a little defensively in the beginning or with some preconceived ideas or maybe challenged. Right. And that's, to me, that's all kind of, the, that's all characteristics of what helps create the, the long game of sex and marriage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how do yeah. I how do I move beyond the this yeah. is not just a one time thing. This is a yeah. a lifelong yeah. thing with this with this spouse. And there are so many paths to pleasure, um, and life. Uh, I'm sorry, sex changes over the life cycle. Yep. For one period of time, one partner may be the higher desire partner, and then that could absolutely shift. Yep. Maybe there was erectile impairment at the beginning of a relationship, and then there isn't, or vice versa. So you have to have a lot of um, flexibility. And, uh, you know, if you're just stuck in one notion of what sex should be, whether it's because the way you were told or what you saw on TV or in the movies or uh, an experience that you had, like that kind of rigid stuckness is not going to help you be sexual across the life cycle. Right. Well, Ian, thank you so much for just this segment thus far, and we're going to transition with the extended sure. here in just a second. But tell people how they can find more of you. Oh, uh, just through my website, iankerner.com. Okay, and I'll, that'll be in the show notes, uh, copies of the book, and all Fantastic. the other, and the other stuff you've done. So thank you so much for taking the time with us. You're welcome, Corey. Well, I hope that this change to smrnation.com hasn't been as disruptive as I fear for those of you in the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. Right. We want it to be a smooth transition. Because <laughs> I want the worst thing that can happen in my mind is it becomes more and more cumbersome to find the show because we want to make it very, very simple mm -hmm. to where the content is easy to reach and, and continues to be effective. And so mm -hmm. if we drop the ball on that, we want to know. Yeah, let us know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Uh, we want to hear what's on your mind and what questions need to be covered. Or if you're not getting the, getting the information, we want to know that too, because we mm -hmm. want to make sure that uh, we do all we can to help you in the, in the married world so it can rock on your side of the equation. 
Well, this has been Sexy Merge Radio. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.